Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah. What's going on? I feel like so much is going on. Like I've been so busy, but also when people ask me how I'm doing or what's going on, I'm like, eh, nothing, just working. (laughs) Pretty much the story of my life. I feel like I have been spinning my wheels like crazy busy, but when someone's like, oh, what are you working on? I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you. Like there's just so much going on, but also not if it's, (laughs) if that makes any sense. And also, how much do you actually want to hear about my business right now? Because I could I get mean, in the weeds. Do you have time? Do you have interest? Am yeah, I going to bore for sure. you? Will we still be friends after this dinner if I spend the whole thing talking about my business? Immediately, I know exactly how you feel. I feel like my family asks me all the time, are you working on anything exciting? Do you have any good new clients you're excited about? And when I start telling them, I can just see the glaze go over their eyes. So I'm glad that I have you. My favorite is people say to me, how's business? Mm. And I'm I'm like, like, are you asking me how I feel emotionally about it today? Are you (laughs) asking from a workload standpoint? You got to be more specific. I tend to just stick to like, it's going great. It's growing really fast and I love it. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I want to say. But if, well, I want to say a lot more. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I want to talk about it. But I save that for Eric. Lucky Eric. Yeah. I've actually had to start saying, because I catch myself that it's like all I talk about. So I've had to start saying, is it okay if I talk to you about business right now? You're so considerate. (laughs) That's so considerate. I just word vomit all of my thoughts. I don't even consider anybody else. It's not great quality. So what are you working on? Oh, so I – what am I working on? I am working on PodFox. So I think I've shared this on this podcast before, but I've been doing business just as Sarah K. Heater for the last several years, and I've known for a while that I really needed to get a brand that's distinctly separate from my business from my identity. And we have named it PodFox. We actually did like the legal part of all of that a year ago. but rolling out the brand assets and like figuring out a social media strategy. And you and I have been planning the website out. I've been writing a ton of content for a new services guide. And um, yeah. And then other than that, client work, which is like the obvious answer, right? And sales calls. Like I think if, if all the launches go the way that like the best possible case scenario, then I have, we have, because you work with me. Mm-hmm. seven or eight shows between now which is the beginning of march and the end of april which is an insane Yay. amount of growth awesome. and when you think about that like all of my clients launch with three episodes so just the launches for seven or eight shows like multiply that times three like that's the excess client work 
right now. But I also have been in this business long enough now to know that if I'm planning on seven or eight launches, it will probably be more like five. (laughs) So (laughs) people will push for whatever reason. But these are paid clients. Like just for Amanda knows this because she works in my business with me. But if you're like, oh, how does this work? Like, what does this mean? That's not leads. That's people who have already paid us Mm -hmm. who are planning to launch. So then there's also leads on top of that, which is pretty cool. What about you? What are you working on? You have so many awesome shows coming up that I'm so excited about. I'm so excited. I love podcasts. Yeah, there's some good content. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Really good shows coming up. And I also love the the diversity in the new shows that are coming and how they fit into the network that you already have. There's some really interesting stuff coming. So I'm excited. There is. And also like no overlap. None of our shows mm-hmm. are about the same thing. I am waiting with bated breath to the day, the day. I'm going to go ahead and put this out into the atmosphere so we can go ahead and just manifest it. If you want to start a podcast for true crime, Please, please do it with us. I want to work on a true crime podcast so bad, Sarah. And yeah, I know I it's not, not really in your niche to like want to do yeah. that, but it would be so fun. It would be so fun. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, if you know of a murder and you want to talk about it on a podcast, we will totally help you launch it. Right, Sarah? No? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> this is Sarah's business and I'm like, this is what we want to work on. The only thing I won't, the only thing, honestly, the only thing I wouldn't do would be like a men's rights podcast or oh, like okay. a mega podcast. But otherwise, <laughs> I would pretty much produce anything. Like I, it's so cool to get to learn about all these different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Very interesting. Anyways, but tell me about you. Enough about me. Oh, never enough about you. Um, I am working with a new client the last, oh, it's been about a month now, but I'm working with a new client who does traveling, um, like authentic travel through Italy. So what I love about it is shout out to Creative Edge Travel. She is a, not sorry, not Alabama. She's a Georgia girl who went to Italy to finish her studies. And when she was over there, she just fell in love with like the authentic experience of Italy. So Mm. yes, she'll tell you where all the big sites and things are, but she also creates guides and puts you with local families. So you actually get to experience it like a local. So you go to like off the beaten path villages, you do pasta making classes with someone's great, great, great grandmother. You know, it's like a full local experience. Hmm. And I have really enjoyed working with her because Under the Tuscan Sun was not only my favorite movie growing up, but it's still my favorite movie now. And I want to see Italy so bad. So I have been working with her for about a month now. And that's been really fun. That's a newer client that's just been really keeping me busy. That's like, looking at pretty pictures of vineyards all day long. So kind of fun. (laughs) Heck yeah. I was very curious where you were going with it when you said authentic travel. I was like, what's inauthentic travel? But okay, I get it. Like inauthentic travel would be like super touristy stuff. Like you go and you only see the Eiffel Tower in Paris kind of situation. And I feel like that still counts. Oh, no, no, no. It does. It does. (laughs) She just gives you like the authentic local experience because, you know, you can travel to a place and not get the like the local experience. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I get it now that you you all travel is valid. All travel is valid. I am. (laughs) This is um, but this is more like 
you know, you get to hang out with the like local families, which I think is so cool. Yeah. So all I've been doing is daydreaming about Italy for you know the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'm no like, kidding. Oh my gosh, you know, all I've been doing is eating pasta. Well, let's do a company retreat. <gasps> Did you just say a company retreat? Yes. Yeah. Can she plan something like that for us? Let's do it. Yeah, totally. You but I, I, yeah, we really, really, really do. So, anyways, that's what I've really been working on mostly. But you know. What about your milestones lately? Have you hit any good milestones yet? We just had oh gosh, and at this point maybe it was a month ago, but um we just had the network past 1.5 million downloads across our network, which is really cool. What? And what's crazy about that is we're going to hit 2 million like very rapidly because at this point with this many shows and shows growing and everything, it's funny how it kind of is like a boulder rolling down a hill, right? It's like it's going faster and faster, but that's a pretty cool number. So that was a pretty good milestone. And financially, which is you know a whole can of worms to open about profitability versus income and all, everything like that. But um, there are some financial milestones that are coming with this upcoming growth that I was just talking about for March and April, that could mean a milestone that I've been working toward. I like my pipe dream was to hit it by December of last year, but that was not really a realistic goal. It was just a pipe dream. And then the idea that we could realistically be there at the end of April is wild. And basically, I'm going to bring on one, if not two more people probably in 2023. And gosh, who knows with like exponential growth, it could be even more than that. But I have kind of two roles in my head for 2023. And I mean, we might be able to bring both of those people on at the end of April. So we'll see. It's like a little overwhelming. And I know you've expressed this too. But one of the things even uh, Eric was saying, like, maybe we don't want to bring new people in. What if we just work more? Like, can it just stay us for a little while longer? And I just think that's a really interesting thing because working hard enough to get to a point where you have enough work to bring more people on is such a big deal. And the idea of outsourcing is so wonderful. Like bringing you guys on has been so incredible in how much more bandwidth I have, how much more expertise you guys bring to the table. And how I can change the way I focus my time. And so I know that that will continue to be true, but it's also like, it's sort of like a little kid growing up and it's like, I want to enjoy all the stages. Like I still want my baby business, right? Like I, it's my baby. Don't grow up yet. <laughs> That's really sweet. What milestones are you celebrating besides the number of what did you say you were eating? Sour Patch Kids. Um, besides the number of Sour Patch Kids that you've eaten today, that's a milestone. But what other milestones? I literally cannot quit eating Sour Patch Kids. It's a, <laughs> it's a problem. I love them. They're so delicious. Okay. A milestone that I have recently hit. I have a certain number that I want to hit each month revenue-wise. Didn't hit it. Was so close in January. Super close in February. As of the day that we were recording this, I am on track to hit it this month. So I'm going to go ahead and pre-celebrate it because I, it would be – Yeah. I'd have to get hit by a bus to not hit it. Um, oh, my God. This don't month. say that. Well, I'm knock on, knock on wood, but I will hit a, a very big goal that I have set for myself. Yay. For monthly growth. Yeah. I will hit that income goal for sure this coming month, which I'm – this month that we're in. 
which is super exciting. I've been working really, really, really hard the last couple of months in preparation for the summer, just wanting to kind of take some, not take time off, but take time out from being in my house as much. I, if anybody that knows me, Italy to authentically travel, please, somebody ship me to (laughs) Italy, please. Thank you. I am a love being at home. I'm a homebody. And I also love cold weather and the fall. I'm in Alabama, so we never get any of those. But for some reason this year specifically, I normally always dread summer because it's so hot. It's so humid. It's just gross down here all the time. This year, I am so excited for some pretty weather, like getting out of the house, sitting outside and working, things like being able to take time off to go for a walk because the weather's pretty. And so I've been really working towards just having a little bit more flexibility in my schedule during the week because right now I work sitting at my desk from like 6 to 7, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. normally. And so I would love to be able to take some, you know, take some breaks and things like that more. But I've been growing my business. Well, I know that sounds like a nah, duh, but I've been growing my business. I've been really focused on getting things set up in a way that's sustainable so that I can lay the framework. I'm a big believer in sometimes you have to take some time, buckle down to get things exactly how you want them. It's not always easy, but it's been worth it. So anyways, milestone. That's a good one. I almost Um, just ate another Sour Patch Kids while we were recording this. Ugh, That's that's all right. You are working on a Sour Patch Kids, a new Sour Patch Kids oh milestone God. as well. It's fine. So good. So in case you did not get it, our theme today, we thought maybe we would do a little bit more of a chit chat, get to know us part two mm-hmm. and just kind of hang out. And in the spirit of business besties, we talk about business stuff, but also we just talk about life stuff and all of that shapes who we are and how we got here. So on that note, just to get to know each other a little more, what was your first job? So my first job, I have mentioned on this podcast before, I was raised extremely religious. My first job was working at a Christian summer camp as the nanny mm. to the district youth director's kids. There was a big summer camp that we would all go to every single summer. So I would work at that summer camp every summer and really save all of my money for college was basically did that all through high school. That was my first job. And it was so funny because I'm not great with kids and I was a nanny and I'm also not great with the heat and it was a summer camp. And so all we did was outside. But um, it taught me uh, it taught me a lot about patience. <laughs> it taught me a lot about saving my money, which we basically lived at the summer camp for three months out of the out of the summer back when summers. Do you remember when summers used to be three months long down here? The like summer break is now just like two months out of the year. I feel like yeah, I'm being I- longer. I think of it as three months, like June, July, August is generally how I think of summer. Right. But I would go to school as a kid back east. I live in Arizona now, if you didn't know. I live in Arizona now, but I grew up in like Maryland, Pennsylvania. And we would go to school until mid to late June. So I don't know why I think of June, July, August as summer. And then we'd go back in like after Labor Day in September. But here, my kids actually did – Technically, like um, I forget what they called it. It's um, like a variation of year-round school. There's a word for it that's not coming to my mind. Eric's gonna listen to this and be like, "Oh my gosh, I know what the word is." But anyway, <laughs> and they only get like a six-week break, maybe, or a, mm. like they go back in July. I mean, Jeez. they don't anymore because now they're all aged out. But they would have a break from like mid to late May until 
mid-July. So it's like a very short break, but they get a longer winter break and they get a longer spring break and fall break to kind of spread out the time off, which does make sense. But out here, it's also so strange to me to go back mid-July because that is literally the hottest time of year. And I would think that they would not want to have to cool the classrooms for that many people to be in a school. Like you could, I would feel like you could save a lot of money if kids didn't have to be in school during July, but that's just yeah. my two cents and no one cares what I think about that anyway. <laughs> People care about what I think about other things. Yeah, so, so I have a summer camp story also. Ooh, tell me. This is like, I can't believe I'm going to share this on the podcast because this is not my finest moment, but I worked at a summer camp for one week in college and it was, I loved summer camp growing up, loved it. It was like my favorite thing. My One of my favorite childhood memories was camping, going to camp. So I, it's not like I was an inexperienced residential camper, but uh, I had not done it in years to be fair. And it was my last summer of college. And so I had interned in D.C. the summer before. And my mom, I had been trying to decide what I was going to do, what job I was going to do for that summer. And I had not gotten some of the internships that I was really hoping to get. So out of my choices, like the different internships that I did get offers for and then this summer camp job offer, I was trying to decide what to do. And my mom said, you are so resume driven. Everything you have done, like your whole life has been about building your resume. This is your last summer to be a kid. You should do camp. And there's things about it that will definitely still be skills. Like you can still feel good about that. But it is your last summer to just go play in the woods for the summer. You should go do it. This was like a luxury camp. So families paid more money to send their kids to the summer camp for the summer than I paid for a semester's tuition at college. Like it was a very luxury experience. I'm sorry. What kind of luxury experience? Like they, they had give you a, everything you, have a spa? you can think of. No, but they had, well, honestly, so not on site, no, but they had this like policy that anything the kids wanted to make happen, you were supposed to make happen. It was supposed to be like a magical place where basically we could make anything the summer of their dreams. So if there was a group of kids that really wanted to go to a spa, they would have done it. But then also there's Sarah during staff training. They're saying this is going to be the kids weren't even there yet, by the way, the week that I worked there. So during staff training, they said to me, this is going to be the hardest job you'll ever have. But just remember, anytime you're thinking this is hard, you could be spending the summer in an office. And there I am, an office. Like dreaming of the fluorescent lights and the clacking of the heels on the linoleum. And I'm just like, I wish I was spending the summer in an office. So needless to say, I quit. Why did you quit? Because what your heart wasn't in it? I did not want to spend the summer playing in the woods. I wanted to work. (laughs) You're such a go getter and such a rule follower. I love it so much. Yeah, that's me. That's my summer camp story. But my first job ever, just for the record, was working at McDonald's. (laughs) Did you really? How long did you work there? Two years. So in Pennsylvania, you could get a work permit at 14, Mm -hmm. but there are only very few places you could work at 14. And I lived in a very small town. So your choices were you could work at McDonald's or you could work at Subway. If you worked at Subway, you had to do all your shifts alone. And if you worked at McDonald's, you had a crew of people. So that's why I chose McDonald's. And I worked there until I was 16 because at 16, you could work like a ton of places. Yeah. So yeah. There is a part of me that has always wanted to work a fast food. 
Like, I think it would be so fun. I love multitasking, and I feel like there's a lot of multitasking in fast food work. Like, I feel like I'd be so good at it. I think if it's well-staffed, there's actually not very much multitasking because you just have your station and you only do that one thing. Maybe if you were in the kitchen, you might have some more multitasking to do. And if you're not well-staffed, you will have to multitask. But generally speaking, I think like really well-staffed fast food, you're just like doing the same repetitive task over and over. So, I mean, but people listening may disagree with me, especially if they've worked fast food more recently than I have because clearly that was a long time ago. But I didn't dislike it. I just um, I got sick of smelling like fry oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I could see that. otherwise, and being on your feet all day, and of course, at the time, minimum wage was like five dollars an hour. So I also like wanted to make more money. But yeah, five dollars also went further then, so it was fine. But yeah, I loved the people I worked with. It was very, very fun. It was very social. Everybody was friends. And I was very good at the register. So I really loved being in drive through. So yeah. What was like the hardest job you've ever had? Like the worst job? Tell me all the tea. What's the worst job, Sarah, you have ever had? Ever? <laughs> I'm so excited. What is it? It's hard because as I don't know if you feel like this, but as an entrepreneur, I can kind of look back and criticize every job I ever had, but like nothing compares to running (laughs) your own business. But I would say the worst job I ever had, and it had its positives, but it was just a very toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. I was doing like finance and office operations for a small business here in the Valley and Shout out to anybody listening who knows me well enough to know what I'm talking about, especially if you worked or still work there. But (laughs) if you still work there, honestly, what is wrong with you? You are a masochist. (laughs) Like, it's the most toxic work environment. And it was like an open secret. Like, we all just agreed it was totally toxic. Maybe it's better now because there's definitely some people who I can't believe are still there that are still there. But shout out to you. But it just like... The different departments did not work together. They very much worked against each other and it was very competitive and it was very ugly. It was very masculine. Like Mm. there were plenty of women who worked there, but it was very much, first of all, it was very much run by men and they were very toxic, toxic masculinity types. And God, it was just like gross to be there every day. Anyways, so that was definitely, people were so mean and it was not a good situation it didn't I didn't last very long I was it was about two years and then um I had two really close friends there and we kind of all reached a point where we were ready to leave and and both of them were in a situation where they had financial security in their husband's jobs and I did not have a husband so Mm. (laughs) I was single and I was like I don't have the financial stability to like if both of them walked out because they got fed up I would be stuck there till I found another job <laughs> so I was like you are not leaving me so I actually left first so god what did you learn from that horrible experience oh okay good question what I learned is that there are enough jobs and enough ways to make money that exist in this world that you do not have to stay at a place that does not value you and treats you like shit and makes you feel like shit. So if you are going to a place that makes you feel like shit every single day, it is time to come up with an exit strategy. It is possible for you and there are other options. And even if there are other options that are not your dream, 
get out of a toxic situation because your life is so short and you have such like it's so much of your time Mm -hmm. and I feel like we spend like the average American spends more hours doing a job they hate surrounded by people they hate than they do with their family and their friends like just get out of there and you can figure it out it's gonna be okay that's like my biggest lesson but what about you what was your worst job girl pull up a chair pull up a chair. oh boy okay yeah yeah so full disclosure i'm just gonna set the scene for you guys so i because <laughs> i have lots of lots to say about my worst job so i had just gotten divorced i was briefly married for about eight months and had gotten divorced in my early early 20s and I was not in a good financial situation at all. And so it was one of those places where I was like, I'll take any work that I can get because I now have to support myself. I had a really good job working at a marketing agency, but it wasn't, the income wasn't what I needed it to be. I wanted to be able to get more involved in my local community because I had just moved to Mobile with my then ex-husband, now ex-husband. And so I didn't know a ton of people. So I was kind of looking for something that would get me out and about. I wanted to meet new people. I'm now single and I don't have a lot of friends. I was determined to quote unquote make it in the big city, even though Mobile is not a big city. So I got a job working at a prestigious wedding stationery company. And if you're from Mobile, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you know me personally, you'll know for sure exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know what it was about my upbringing that my dad had always told us growing up, you should always put in a year at some place. Like, don't ever stay at a place less than a year. It doesn't look good on a resume. I don't know why I listened to that advice because I never included this place on my resume. Like, never, ever, ever. Did not leave on good terms. Never, ever, ever. So I worked as a personal assistant to the owner of this establishment who was a narcissist and basically didn't know how to, like, I couldn't have my own life, you know, and I would work overtime. I'd never get paid. I put up with a lot of shit that I would never put up with now. But this person was really connected in the community. It got me out, like the like the positives of it was that I got to go out and about and meet a lot of people and Mobile is a old money town. And so I got to work with a lot of like prestigious people, some celebrities. That was really cool, you know, helping with their weddings and things like that. So that part of it was great. The person that I worked directly for, on the other hand, degraded me on the regular. I had to walk her dogs on the weekends without getting paid. It was a horrible, like, I don't know why I put up with it for so long. I had met my now husband about, I would say, four months into working there. And he was like, I don't think you realize how much you cry about this job and why I chose to stay. And I was making absolutely no money whatsoever. Horrible, horrible experience. Moral of the story, you're worth more. There are so many more opportunities out there. I left there and I have never felt so happy, so relieved. I had found a new job working as the head of marketing for a clinical research facility. And the last thing she said to me was, I know of that place and you'll never be happy there. It was like having a breakup, like a horrible, nasty breakup. (sighs) That was therapeutic, Sarah. (laughs) there there are so many bad job stories to tell but 
that's depressing. So let's yeah. switch. What are three of your favorite things right now in life? Oh, um, three of my favorite. And it could be now. business related or not. Doesn't matter. Mm, three mm, things you're mm, really mm. into right now. Okay. I've always been a big reader, but I have just now recently started making it a priority to like set time aside every day to say, okay, this hour is going to be between me and a good book. So I've been reading a lot of really fun fiction lately. And it just reminds me like going to a bookstore or opening up a new book. It just always reminds me why I love it. Like it will always and forever, no matter what, be my very first love will be books. Just like- What are you reading? Like what stuff have you been reading recently or what are you reading right now? So I just finished a book that I had started. I, I'm a big seasonal reader. So if it's Halloween, I want to read something that's like spooky or I'm a really big fan of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. If you are a friend, if you're a fan of that from the 90s. Friend. You're a friend <laughs> you're to a friend. Sabrina. You're a friend. Um, but I'm really, I love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I just finished a book called The X-Hex by Erin Sterling, who is an author. She ghostwrites underneath that name. She's a local Alabama author, and she writes a ton of spooky stuff. So I just finished a book that I started back in October called The X-Hex, and it was about witches, spooky towns, Halloween, um, cold weather, all the things I loved. And I started it way a couple months ago, and I just finished it. And now I am reading a new book called How to Sell a Haunted House. Are you sensing sensing a theme? <laughs> yeah. Also, you were going on about true crime earlier, so you're oh definitely gosh. a spooky girl. Yes, and I just – I know. I love it. I love the macabre. I want it spooky. I want all the things. I love Halloween, hocus pocus, all those basic things. So anyways, reading a lot of fiction. So that's one thing. Getting back to the love of reading is it just does something good for my soul. Second thing that I'm absolutely obsessed with right now is my Roomba. Okay. You didn't think that's where I was going to go with it, but I'm telling you, I got a Roomba for Christmas. She's called Cheryl. She's a shark. She's not actually a Roomba. The brand is shark. And so we call her Cheryl the shark and I run her every single day, all day long. She is my work companion. I cheer her on. Like I just love, I love my Roomba. Okay. And then the third thing is that I recently had someone who listens to the show, a complete stranger, reach out and say so many nice things. I was telling you about that the other day. Said so many great things about the show. We're actually going to have a little coffee chat tomorrow and discuss how we make it potentially work together. But I'm absolutely loving the fact that we have a show that like connects us with people and it blows my mind that people listen to us and that I don't even know their names. Like that's so crazy yeah. to me and so exciting. What's making you happy? That's good. That's a good list. Definitely, I have to say reading is also on my list. We talked about this, I think, once on another episode too, but like consistently since 2020, I have set a reading goal of 50 books a year and I have never hit it since I mm -hmm. set the goal. I don't. I can't say I've never read 50 books in a year. I'm sure I have, but I've never set it as a goal until 2020. And it's frustrating to set a goal consistently and not hit it. So here we go again. 2023, shooting for that. I'm at 14. So you I'm can do on it. my way. What I'm are like, you reading? So two things that I recently read that I loved. I just read a book actually from the 80s fiction called The Bean Trees, which mm. is King Solver is the author's last name. I think it's Barbara King Solver, but I don't know. Anyways, um, 
that is about a woman who moves from eastern Kentucky to Tucson, Arizona. So there's a lot of like adjusting to the desert and like experiencing Arizona, but it's also very much a like awakening to a lot of things in human just human justice, yes, human rights and social <laughs> justice and like the kind of the horrors of the world, especially related to learning more about like the racism in the South that's predominant in the Southwest, which is largely due to immigration. So like immigration issues and things like that and, and refugees and asylum seekers. And so that's, it's really about all of that. There's a lot of things that a transplant to Arizona, which is most of us, can really, really relate to of like coming to the desert for the first time and having the like culture shock, but also the environment shock of being in the desert. So I loved that. Really, really beautiful on a lot of levels. And um I enjoyed it a lot. And her language is so colorful. And I guess this was her first book. So I'm definitely going to read more by her. And then I also, nonfiction, just recently read, shout out to another listener of ours, Dr. Sherry, who's also our friend and client, but she is the host of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast. And she had recommended a book called Allies and Advocates. And that's by Amber Cabral. And I just, I loved it. I mean, I inhaled it. I loved, loved, loved that book. So it's another recent read of mine that I highly recommend so whether you're into nonfiction or fiction like, i was about to say here. i'm over here like have you read the book about witches and pumpkins and sarah gives you the most thoughtful most important book recommendation ever i love it what else is making you happy <laughs> well, it's, both. it's both it's both i like audiobooks for nonfiction and physical books for fiction because mm-hmm. i find my mind wanders if i try to read nonfiction as a physical book so I love nonfiction. It's basically and in audiobook form, it's basically like listening to podcasts. So yeah. I'm really into it. It's like my jam. So that's totally cool with me. But I really love fiction. And I've been reading like niche fiction for a while because I've been exploring these other niche or niche, depending on mm. if you're me or Amanda. I like niche. niche. I've been reading some like niche fiction for the past few years. And so I just got to this point where I'm like, I just want some solid like general adult fiction like I just want to like kind of get back so my next like several reads are really just I'm trying to do some cultural stuff though I just I'm just starting a book called the island of sea women it's next Mm. to me on the desk so I'm like what is it called (laughs) um by the author Lisa C anyway the first thing on my list is definitely reading also. I really, really have been loving that again. I've been a little bookworm. And then second thing I've been really into lately is chicken pot pie. And it's absurd. Like I am typically uh, like taco obsessed and I always want Mexican food. I always want tacos. And it's like kind of a joke that sometimes Eric will have to say to me, like, can we have something other than Mexican food? But (laughs) I had I got a chicken pot pie from Costco, which, by the way, they are so good from their like mm-hmm. prepared food section. You like just throw it in the oven and it bakes for an hour and it's like the most heavenly pot pie. So I got obsessed with them, but they're expensive and they're a ton of food. Like if we have the kids, it's fine. Um, but if it's just me and Eric, it is like days of pot pie so we got the um like frozen personal ones and you can get those from costco as well so you can get like a whole pack of them to keep in the freezer and they're not as good but they are still so good and like i've never been a chicken pot pie person i don't know why oh my god it's so good i like cannot get enough it's like every day i'm like i want a pot pie (laughs) So I'm having, obviously, I have to temper that. So I'm trying, but like once a week, I swear to God, once a week, I'm like, pot pie. I have a question. Are you, because I think you are like I am. 
I get fixated on a dish or a food or, or something for like about two weeks, I will eat, I'll go through a phase where I'll eat the same sour thing. Patch kids. Currently, it's Sour Patch Kids. Um, about two weeks ago, I, w- I made homemade corn salsa. When I say I was eating four to six ears of corn a day, I am not exaggerating to you. And I kept telling myself, it's corn. It's a vegetable. It's great. If you put a piece of corn in front of me right now, I would throw up on you. And it's because I have made myself absolutely sick of it. Do you do that? Do you hyperfixate on foods? I've been told it's a symptom of ADHD. I- I think I hyperfixate in general. Like I become really, really into something. What's weird is most of the time I don't get sick of it. Like it's more like I will realize that it's not healthy or it's keeping me from being productive depending on what it is I'm hyperfixated on. But like I told you about Pokemon um, on the Switch in a recent episode. Like I was – I could not put it down. It's like if I wasn't (laughs) playing, I was thinking about playing, which is the most ridiculous thing. It wasn't even a current Pokemon. It's an older Pokemon game. I like could not – and I literally got to the point where I was like, I can't wait. I'm so close to the end and I can't wait till I beat it because then I can put it down. And I know it's a problem. Like I don't – I'm not a video game person. I've literally never been a video game person. Why am I obsessed with this That's like me with Tetris. If I start playing Tetris, you might as well hang it up. I'll be there for days. Like, I love it. That, so that's what ha- I've – that's the only video gaming that I've – is like that with The Sims where like mm-hmm. I'll play it really hard for like three days and I'm like, okay, I cannot live like this. And I put it down, <laughs> you know. And it's not that I get sick of it. I'm actually really not sick of it. It's that I know it's not healthy. Mm. So I have to like make a better choice. And I feel like pot pie is kind of similar where like if point being I – would rapidly gain weight if I only <laughs> ate pot pies. I have to eat other foods. Like I'm going to have to diversify, but I'm not sick of it. <laughs> I just want it. So I yeah, anyways, I am. Um, so that's two. And then my third thing that I'm really into right now, although I'm not sure when this is going to air, so it might be over by then, is The Last of Us. Mm. We love the game. We are big fans of both the last of us and the last of us part two the games in our house but it's like the kind of thing where i don't play because i am not a good video game person but eric plays i watch and basically when we finish part two we start back over with part one like we love these games so much so we found out that they were not only making a show but that the show was made by hbo and not like a syndicated network so happy and i think they have done an incredible job with it and i'm obsessed like excuse me i, I would interrupt you but my husband it. is on that show my husband is on that show he's like lead, you're obsessed honey. with him I, I, I figured it out i was like wait what oh my god <laughs> me and every other person on this planet he is so no charming kidding. i'm obsessed with him i also love the he show i've never seen so the game charming. he's so charming and it's like he he's Delightful. like he knows that he's so he's just so cute i just want to put him in my and pocket it's so weird because his character is kind of terrifyingly violent mm-hmm. but then you like watch the after show where he does an interview and he's just got that goofy grin and you're just like oh my gosh he is so charming i love him so much He's delightful. He really is delightful. And I think the whole cast is nailing it. I think the the production nailed it. Like, I really – they've done such a good job with that show. But um, the second to last episode just came out yesterday at the time we're recording this. So I'm pretty sure it will be over by the time this episode airs, which is depressing. Also, Nick Offerman, who is also my other husband, um, I love him dearly. <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. I don't really know how to respond to that. Excellent. I'm happy for you. I do. I love that I show. It's a great show. I hope you're very happy together. 
<laughs> I love that show. It's great. It's um, I don't find it very very scary. Some people talk about they think it's really scary, but um, I love true crime too. So maybe that's that's why it's not scary to me. I that's one of the things that I like about it is that it's not like I liked. I loved Walking Dead for a while. Although I haven't watched mm-hmm. it. I didn't. I mean, for years. But I loved it for the first like three four seasons or five seasons. Okay, I lasted a while. I hung in there a while. But I really, really loved it, and I loved that it was scary. Mm-hmm. But this is very different. Yeah, and I love that they went the route of like not focusing on just like a zombie show. It's to me, the like- um, it's not the same. And to me, too, like in comparison to Walking Dead, Walking Dead kind of got to the same place that like Grey's Anatomy got for me, which is like you can only be on the brink the brink of death so many times before the stakes are so low. I just don't care. And after a while, Actually, it was like. Such a good comparison. Mm-hmm. I felt like my issue with Grey's Anatomy, because I really didn't last very long in Grey's, is that every time you love a character, they die. And that yeah. is also true on Walking Dead. So, like, same issue. Well, and also – Don't get attached go- to anyone. They no. all die. I will also go a step further and say I was a really big fan of House, the medical show House. Mm. I loved that show. And I loved, um, I loved the characters. I thought it was great. But it's only, like, so many times you can watch it and – it's this like, oh, what could it possibly be? Oh, his kidneys are failing. The same thing as yeah. the last time. And after a while, it just it doesn't have the same zeal. So anyways, great three picks. <laughs> and none of them business related. None of the, none of, not much about this conversation was, and I'm so happy. I think this was a great combo. I hope it gave people a little bit more insight into We're our- being big and brave in our scary books and big and brave in our scary TV and big and brave in um, pot pies. Oh my gosh. And Sour Patch Kids, I can't quit eating them. Somebody help me. I'm like literally counting so, down until we wrap up this episode so I can eat this whole bag so can in front eat of me. More. Come connect with us on Instagram at Big Brave Business. Tell us what foods you're obsessed with right now and just in general, other things that are making you happy. And if you have a summer camp story to add, let's hear about it. All the summer camp. I love summer camp. And anything camp. else. Any, any and everything else. We love That's you. It. It's so fun. Thanks for hanging out with us every week and we'll see you next week. See you soon. Bye.